0: Why is the U.S. payments infrastructure a prime target for attacks? Bill Wansley, a financial fraud and security consultant at Booz Allen Hamilton, says payment cards and other financial transactions will continue to be targeted by international crime rings, and it's not just financial gain thereafter. Hi, I'm Tracy Kitten with Information Security Media Group, and I'm joined today by Bill Wansley, who says intellectual capital is what more cyber attacks aim to gain. Bill, we spoke in late June about the FBI's takedown of cyber thieves linked to underground forums where stolen and intercepted credit and debit card details were being sold. At the time, you said the bus would not have a significant impact on card fraud because shuttering these underground forums is next to impossible. But do you still believe that that late June takedown made no difference? And if so, can you explain how you've come to that conclusion?
1: Sure, I'd be happy to address that. Uh The reality is that there is quite a bit of credit card fraud that goes on uh, globally. It is really a global business, and organized crimes uh, are being conducted by groups all across the world, Russia, Ukraine, China, United States. So it really is a very pervasive uh, form of organized crime and financial crime. So while it's very important that the, the FBI is able to take down a group They still have a long ways to go to start catching up with the rest of them. What we really have to do is think more systemically about the threats to our financial infrastructure and think about ways to stop it from credit card transactions to major bank transactions and all sorts of threats to the financial system.
0: So, Bill, why are we facing an insurmountable task where attacking some of these cyber criminals is concerned?
1: While a number of parts of the United States, criminal activity is on the decline, a lot of criminal groups and individuals are just moving to the web because, as you know, the web is becoming uh, increasingly easy for the younger generation to get around and finding ways to conduct crime online is easier than ever. You can actually go out on the Internet and buy tools that will allow you to attack and to penetrate different organizations. So we have a whole new generation of criminals that are coming up cyber smart. And they're able to take advantage of that and, frankly, the openness of the Internet to move their crimes from the streets now to organized crime on the Internet.
0: Now, you've noted, Bill, that the U.S. payments infrastructure is a prime target for attacks and that these attacks are waged more for political reasons than monetary gain. But clearly some of these attacks are waged by fraud rings who are after financial assets. Would you not agree?
1: Sure, there. There. Listen, there's a broad range of threats on the internet, and we all need to just think, step back, and think about what they're trying to go after. So there are certainly criminals looking for financial gain. So you're still going to have individuals and financial organized crime groups that prosecute that kind of crime. But more and more, we're seeing attacks for other reasons. A lot of countries now are taking advantage of the internet for cyber espionage, that is to steal intellectual capital or bank transactions that would indicate perhaps a major trade that's going to happen, a major deal that's going to happen. So there's a lot more to be gained from stealing information off the internet than just a credit card number that could be used for a small transaction before it hits some sort of trigger.
0: If some of these attacks are nation-state attacks, and if in fact these nation-state attacks do pose the greatest risk, Can you pinpoint who these potential nation-state adversaries actually
1: are? Well, really, there are a number of countries that uh, have a deliberate policy of taking advantage of the Internet to increase their access to emerging technology and intellectual capital for building business. Most notably, in the past year, the National Counterintelligence Executive Report to Congress identified China first and Russia to a lesser degree is countries that uh, are involved in this, but they're not the only ones. Frankly, there are a number of countries and small organized crime groups that also want intellectual capital that will allow them to make smart investment decisions globally and get their financial rewards in that way.
0: When we look at some of these online criminal gangs, do sometimes these gangs work with nation
1: states? Sure. You know, attribution on the Internet is very difficult because people can hide behind servers and different switches. So it's really difficult to find out who's working for whom on the Internet. But certainly there are some cyber criminals who work on their own sometimes, or they can be hired by nation states or other organized crime groups. So you'll see talent actually move around to support different purposes. So there will be people that work for the nation state for a significant period of time, and then the next day they'll be working on their own.
0: So when we take a step back and we look at causes for some of these attacks, why is the quest for intellectual property at the root of these attacks? Why is that of so much interest?
1: Well, it's really fascinating. I mean, think about how much money the United States and the companies in the United States spend on research and development to create cutting-edge new technologies or products that are going to be desired by consumers. One way to get around those major expenses is to spend $5,000 on a cyber tool that's going to allow you to steal it from somebody. So frankly, can be a very cost-effective way to accelerate your advancements in technology and consumer products.
0: And then what about the vulnerabilities that are inherent to financial transactions and payments? Why are these types of transactions of interest to nation states?
1: Well, the payment process, of course, by itself may just give you a transaction, but access to payment processes can get you additional information. You've probably heard stories of these nation states specifically who are able to do social engineering to understand details on individuals who may have access to more sensitive information. So even though one group may be stealing money through a financial transaction, other groups will take the same transaction and garner personal information that will link back to social engineering around a specific individual or a certain company to get them to get access to what they really are after. So what you see at first might be just minor cybercrime can actually be a much deeper operation to get inside an organization.
0: And so are we fighting the battle in the right way, or have we been blind to what's really going on in the cyber world?
1: I think we are blind in a number of ways, but the uh, U.S. financial institutions anyway take this threat very seriously, and they spend a great deal of time and money to try to protect our financial resources and their own intellectual property. Specifically, the financial services industry funds a group that shares information between major institutions, and this allows them to try to identify breaking criminal trends, to identify who's coming after whom and what techniques they're using and how to block them. So, frankly, I'm really pleased to say that most U.S.-based financial institutions take on this challenge and are spending an awful lot of time and money trying to get in front of it. So the United States government does take a pretty active role in trying to understand what the threats are to our country in general. The Department of Homeland Security has responsibility for defending the U.S. infrastructure So they have established working groups to be able to share information with financial institutions and ensure that different companies are aware of the risks and the threats to the infrastructure. That said, there's legislation that the Obama administration is trying to pass right now and has some support from both sides of the aisle that would allow for even more enforcement and information sharing for the nation's infrastructure. And this, frankly, is a step in the right direction because the nation does have to take a more comprehensive approach to protecting our payment processes and our financial infrastructure.
0: How well-informed are organizations about some of these threats? We've talked about financial institutions, but what about other entities?
1: Well, financial institutions, I think, are ahead of the rest in terms of the general industries. A number of the other what are considered critical infrastructures of our country, utilities, for example, and communications, healthcare, have groups that are attempting to stand up information sharing, but they're not quite as advanced as the financial services. Again, this legislation I mentioned will help solidify support for these information sharing bodies and allow for more sense of information to be passed from the government to these different critical sectors.
0: And so how can organizations and others educate themselves about some of these threats? And what about educating consumers? You know, what role do these organizations have to educate the end user?
1: First of all, I'm pleased to contribute in a small way as you are to the public awareness of these challenges. I think it's really important for the media to understand the issues surrounding our vulnerabilities and to to get word out there. Second of all, we we tell all our clients that they should start with awareness training for their staff. It's very difficult to know when you're being attacked by a cyber attack unless you're aware of the telltale signs of that. These people that do the social engineering are very sophisticated, and they're very good at collecting information from people who are unwitting that they're targets. Finally, I think it's important for the United States as a government and, and all business here to share information as we see things change. Some of the attacks that we see now weren't present three years ago, and some of the patterns we used to be very comfortable with are now gone. So it is an emerging and evolving threat, and it's up to all of us to try to ensure that we're aware of it as it goes along for the next couple of years.
0: And then, Bill, moving forward, what would you say needs to change in our payments infrastructure as well as any other type of interaction that may touch the online space?
1: Well, I tell you specifically, it's not real prudent for me or anybody, frankly, to identify specific vulnerabilities we have in our payment systems because someone may want to take advantage of that. But the reality is we need to have thorough assessments of the vulnerabilities and linkages to other systems and minor systems that may not be as secure as the primary systems because all of that contributes to the potential risk to our infrastructure. I mean, it would not be that difficult for somebody from the outside to cause great havoc within our markets by putting some code into the system that would upset the trading systems we have, the algorithms we have. So it really is important for us to just be, again, very much aware, have the assessments and ongoing monitoring to ensure we know what's changed in our environment and what's likely to happen for the next wave of cybercrime.
0: Bill, I want to thank you again for your time today. My pleasure. Again, we've just heard from Bill Wansley of Booz Allen Hamilton. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tracy Kitten.